How you guys doing today? Well, I'm dizzy today, so that's something. Uh, yeah, I almost passed out, so I'm, I'm, just, I'm not going to hide the fact that I'm drinking stuff today. So I'm a little off, that's why. But welcome to The Remnant. My name's Todd, the pastor here. Very, very excited to see you guys. If it is your first day, or it's been a while, or even if it hasn't, and you were here last week, you know that we are in the middle of a series that I might be my, one of my favorites, one of my favorites ever for me personally. And I told a guy last week, listen, if no one else is listening, I don't really, I mean, I care. But I'm really here because I want to, um, I'm preaching to myself. This is really changing my faith. So if you're a Christian in the room today and you, your faith is kind of dry, we go through those periods. You know what I mean when I say that. Your faith is kind of like, you do this because you're faithful. You don't really do it because you're excited or want to be here. And listen, I actually think that's beautiful. There's a beauty in having the faith to do things when you don't emotionally want to. That is faith, right? Otherwise, it's just being a fan of something. I feel good today, so I will do X, Y, Z. So it's really exciting. But when I look at the Bible, that's not what I see. I don't see really, sure, there's times that we're called to an endurance. That means that we just got to push through. We got to grind, right? You know what it means to grind, Jacob? Say, I said your name again. You know what it is, right? Grind, uh, that means work hard. There's a time that we have to just push through. But really, this all kind of started for me because I don't want to make excuses for God. No, Todd, what do you mean? I mean, I believe that if I'm going to call myself a Christian, that first and foremost, I've already said that I believe that, okay, we can't keep having that. Uh, <laughs> that's going to distract me. I'm a squirrel. Um, I'll just throw this down. You know I will. I've done it before. That uh, lost my train of thought. See, that's the squirrel in me. Anyway, uh, for me, when I, I think I already believe that a man, a God man, God himself invaded this world and died and then three days later rose from the dead. You understand what you're saying you believe, okay? And maybe you've, you've done this so long that you kind of forget that what you believe outside these walls is crazy. It's crazy. You believe in a crazy thing. It doesn't make it any less real. I use this all the time, right? Gravity, the concept of gravity is a crazy thing. You say you believe it. You will literally... Stand up and proclaim from the rooftops 100%. You'll put a million dollars down. Gravity's real. Why? Because somebody told you there's a magical force holding you to the ground? You don't know that, right? See, some of you are like, what is he talking about? Proved it. You, you don't even know that you believe crazy things. So to me, I, because I already know that I believe that, when I see things like, hey, the fruit of the Spirit is peace, patience, love, joy, all these things, I've noticed that a lot of times as Christians, we make excuses for why we don't have those things, for God. Well, you know, I just, if I was, if I was a, maybe if I didn't have this sin issue, as soon as I beat that, God's going to give me that joy he promised. Or that peace, you know, man, as soon as I get through this situation, if I just keep plugging away at it, if I keep being faithful when I don't feel it, then God will give me that peace that transcends understanding. But that's not what I see. What I see is Jesus believe in John 15. Don't quote me on that. But he makes this analogy of, he does say this in the, in the book of John. He makes an analogy that, that, that he's a vine, right? And that we're fruit hanging off that vine. So listen, does a grape, a grape is a grape regardless. Why? Because it grows off the vine. It is a grape. It's just a matter or not of whether it's a healthy, juicy, big old grape 
or whether it's one of those little shrivelly, like gross ones right before they become a raisin. You know what I'm talking about. In the bag of, 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 they're not raisins, grapes. You know, you pick it up and you sort of look at it and it's like a squishy eyeball. Yeah, it's one of those two. So to me, it can't be a matter, if I am to abide in him, and he says, just by being connected to me, you will have these things. The only thing I could think of, and this is why I told you, is this idea of, okay, if I don't have it, it's not with him. It's with me. And it doesn't seem to be any sort of thing like, boy, if I beat this sin issue, there's something else. Now, again, don't get me wrong, the sin issues to me, those things we do are kind of like, pesticide on the vine, right? It can affect the health of the fruit, but at the end of the day, it's still there. If you don't have any of it, if, I, if there's no grape flavor at all in the grape, then there's something going on. Either it's not a grape, right? You with me? I know I'm losing you. Grape, Christian, you get the analogy, right? It's either not a grape or the vine lied to us. And since I know Jesus didn't lie, I want that. I want that. So, the entire series can be really wrapped up. Um, we're talking about the kingdom of God. I've mentioned this before. The kingdom of God, just in the, in the New Testament, kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven is mentioned by Jesus 100 times. 100. Through 10 different books. Isn't that crazy? 100 times. And what we do is we sort of read it as though it's an analogy for Christian. And the Christian... This is how Christians act. I don't think that's true because he uses words like disciples at different places. There's something with the kingdom. And I've mentioned this before, trying to catch all you, the rest of you up. We don't have a concept. We lose a little bit because we live in this 21st century democratic country where we don't, the, the concept of a king is very negative. Kingdom is very negative. You don't tell me what to do. I need to be able to vote for it, blah, 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 right? So we sort of gloss over it and say, oh, that's just a cute old school analogy. And I don't think that's what he's saying with it. And so we're studying that. And I don't know how long we'll go, maybe forever, because I just love it. I'm learning more and more. But Colossians 3, actually, 13 and 14 says this. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the son he loves. I'll say that again. Colossians 3, 13 and 14. He, Jesus, has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the son he loves. We have redemption, the forgiveness of sins in him. Why did Paul put that? I mean, clearly he's trying to get us to understand something. Do you feel like as a Christian that you have, do you, that you've been rescued from the domain of darkness? Do you, do you accept and understand the concept that you've been picked up out of the muck and the darkness and put into a different place? That two places right now on this earth exist and coexist at the same time. Okay? The domain of darkness and the kingdom of God. How do I know that? Jesus said in his time, listen, the kingdom of God is now. It's arrived. We'll talk about it's. Well, Todd, I don't see Jesus. We'll get to that. But it's here. It happened when he came. That's it. There are two places to live on this earth. You are either of the kingdom or you are of the domain of darkness. That's it. And Paul's trying to get us to understand that, that we have to understand and grasp our situation. See, some of you in the room were rescued so long ago that you think you were always in the kingdom. And you're content to stay within the, the safety of the kingdom 
not realizing that, you know, I was saved just like all those people out there. You kind of stand above and go, look, look at those dirty non-Christians. They're so gross. I can't believe they're like that. Because you've forgotten who you were before he came. So, who here, that's kind of setting this up for us. Who here listened to, read, watched the movies, Chronicles of Narnia? Who here, okay, so who, this is important, this is my snobbery. Who has read the books and or had, now listen, I'm going to be with you. I have not read every one of them, (laughs) but when people tell me, have you read them, I say yes. I don't know why, we just tend to do that. But who here has read at least one of the books in the Chronicles of Narnia? Man, you guys are afraid to raise your hand, raise it high. High, 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 there we go, thanks. So uh, when I was in fourth grade, um, I actually grew up in Napanee, Indiana, up north, Northwood, go Northwood. I know you guys won't cheer. It's a really quality program, so it's a struggle for people here in Columbia City. Um, Talk about uh, Narnia. I got you awake. Yeah, I made you mad. Um, I mean, we would smoke you if we played you, but... Narnia, for me, I used to, so I grew up there, but I moved a lot when I was a kid. And I actually didn't even know the connection. I actually lived in Claypool, Indiana for a while. Anyone live in Claypool? No? Oh, nice, okay. So Claypool, Indiana. And so I went to school. One year I went to three different schools in two different states. Put that together, fourth grade. So I I started out in Claypool, Indiana. And I had a teacher, if he's watching, Mr. Cybrae, I remember you fourth grade teacher, he was the first one that had ever introduced to me the concept of Narnia. So we would have this uh, story time, and he started in the Chronicles of Narnia and started reading it. Now, here's the thing. I already grew up, since I could walk, loving swords and magic and all those kinds of things. I grew up on those stories. My, my children's stories were like King Arthur and all those kinds of things. So I'm already in, because we're talking about swords and talking lions and magic I'm in. And it really did feel magical. I remember that. It felt every time that he would read it, like I'm going to this place. And I felt myself, even in fourth grade, longing to to be there, to go to Narnia. There's all kinds of cool quotes. And that's before I even knew that Narnia, I think you guys know this, maybe not, but. C.S. Lewis was a Christian, used to be an atheist. He converted late in life, and he wrote the Chronicles of Narnia. You know, it will change your life if you don't know this, that Narnia is the kingdom and Aslan is Jesus. And if you understand that, then, then that book becomes way, way cooler. And as a little boy, um, I didn't grow up in the church, but I knew that I loved Aslan too. And there's a story where C.S. Lewis was written by a mother because her son, well, I'll read it to you. This is, this is a true story, and I'll connect it back to me. This is a quote. It all began when nine-year-old Lawrence, an eager fan of the Chronicles of Narnia, confided in his mother that he was afraid that he loved Aslan the lion, the Christ figure in the series, more than he loved Jesus. Did that make him an idol worshiper? His mother, Felinda, promptly wrote in care of the publisher and told Lewis of her son's confusion. So concerned was the author when he learned of Lawrence's distress, distress that he answered in just 10 days. And this was back in the day. So this is, quote, in his letter. Tell Lawrence for me with my love, Lewis wrote in a detailed letter. He can't really love Aslan more than Jesus, even if he feels that is what he's doing. 
For the things he loves Aslan for doing or saying are simply the things Jesus really did and said. So that when Lawrence thinks he is loving Aslan, he is really loving Jesus. And perhaps loving him more than he ever did before. I don't think he need bother at all. God knows all the, about the ways a little boy's imagination works. He made it after all. The thing that makes those books amazing is this idea, doesn't matter how old you are, even the, the first movie. Remember the last scene? Who's seen the movie? Remember the last scene when the big battle's about to happen and they're in trouble and then Aslan comes up on the mountaintop and roars and they think he's dead and you all get goosebumps and the, the men in here who are like 30 and older pretend it doesn't affect us and wipe the tear away when no one's looking. Yeah, the reason that that impacts us and that's what I love about essentially what C.S. Lewis is saying here is everything you love about it is the story of the kingdom. It's an analogy and a parable of the story of the kingdom. Now keeping that in mind, I want to read to you some of these verses Stay with me. I got a point. I know it's long today. I told you I was dizzy. I'm just going to read you some quotes from C.S. Lewis, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and a bunch of others. Listen to these quotes, and I want you to remember that Jesus is Aslan. Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. Ooh, see, I act for you guys. Said Susan, I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. I've heard of that one. I have come home at last. This is my real country. I belong here. This is the land I've been looking for all my life, though I never knew it till now. I've been wondering to find him, and my happiness is so great that it even weakens me like a wound. And this is the marvel of marvels, that he called me beloved, me who is like a dog. They open a door and enter a world. Kingdom, domain of darkness, are you with me? Open a door. Or we of Narnia afraid of the dark. There was a real, at the end of it, one of the most powerful scenes. And uh, Spoiler alert. <laughs> last book, last scene. If you want to read it, you don't want to be surprised. Close your ears. So at the end, typically the, the main characters from the first book kind of come back and they don't go home this time. They kind of go back and forth. And they're talking to Aslan. And this is what he says. There was a real railway accident, said Aslan Safi. Your father and mother and all of you, as you used to call it in the Shadowlands, that's what Aslan calls this place. P.S. The Shadowlands is actually in Scripture. Paul describes it, this world we live in is that. Your father and mother, all of you, as you used to call it in the Shadowlands, are dead. The term is over. The holidays have begun. The dream is ending. This is the morning. And as he spoke, he no longer looked to them like a lion, but the things that began to happen after that were so great and beautiful that I cannot write them. And for us, this is the end of all the stories, and we can most truly say that they all live happily ever after. But for them, it was only the beginning of the real story. All their life in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and the title page. Now at last, they were beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, and which every chapter is better than the one before. They realized that that Narnia is the real place. That's the real place and, and home was the Shadowlands. Even if you don't, you're not moved by the idea of Narnia. Understand that like that's the reality we live in. That's the reality we live in. Don't you want more? If today you went home, 
This is going to sound ridiculous, but I need you to play imagination with me, all right? Yeah, one person, Grant's like, yeah, me too, buddy. If you went home today and you went to open the, the closet and there was, on the other side of it, there wasn't the closet anymore with this beautiful forest and trees and you saw a talking beaver walk by and say, how you doing? And walk off, okay? <laughs> He's Irish, so. And you, and or you see Jesus on the other end, and you, and you see talking birds, and there's a sword, whatever moves you. If you saw that, and you knew that you could, you know, and you walked in there and out, what would you do? Would, your, would life feel different? I'm serious. Take, I know that sounds crazy. Some of you have, haven't used that imagination in a long time. I'll give you a second to get the, whirls, the wheels moving here. The whirls. I told you I'm dizzy. Let that sink in. That is the reality that we live in. Except it's the other way around. You see, we are of the kingdom. I just told you, the kingdom, the domain of darkness. And the doorway we have is that we come back to the domain of darkness for a purpose. We have a purpose here. You see, at the end of the day, we already know how the story ends. It doesn't end with your last breath, and it doesn't end with with disease and death. It ends with light and love and life and eternity. We are in, I like that, we're not even in chapter one. We're in that like two-page thing that describes what's coming in the book because eternity is a long time. I'm serious. And even if you're in this room and you don't know Jesus, intrinsically you know that. You know that this is so fast. The reality is, is that Christianity has become this kind of philosophy that we follow instead of an understanding of a supernatural, meaning we can't understand it completely. A supernatural thing that has happened. That the creator of the universe, the God himself, the only God, has broken through the darkness and the shadows, has invaded this earth to tell us about the kingdom that we were banished from because of our rebellion, that we were separated from, and when we could no longer remember the way back to him, he came to us. And he grabbed you in the muck and the darkness and the brokenness. And he picked you up and he took you home. Now here's the thing. He took you home to clean you up, get you healed, remind you of who you are. And here's the part that's hard and we're going to talk about today. And send you back. Just because you go back doesn't mean that you're not from the kingdom. It doesn't mean that you're not still clean. And it doesn't mean that you don't have hope. You were not saved just to party in the castle. You understand what I'm saying? Say yes or no with me, please. Give me something. There's those southern ones, those amens. Greg, I need you, buddy. Anyway, I haven't said the Bible yet. I get it. I need, sometimes when I talk about this stuff, I can either tell that you guys are deeply thinking, bored, or you, this is breaking your mind a little, and that's okay. This is real. I'm about to give you verses to get you to understand. We have to wake up and understand the reality that we have let the world dictate to us what reality is, what Christianity is, what we do and say, that the book that we have, this Bible even, this is not, this is not a textbook. You understand? This is not uh, a hit, even a history book. This is the living word of God. This is the way that we were reminded of the kingdom, of where we're coming from and where we're going. This thing changes people. Do you understand that? We live in America, so you can just go find one anywhere, right? We have this thing that literally has a message that changes lives. 
Man does not live on bread alone, but by the very word of God. What if that's not an analogy? What if all of this isn't an analogy, but deep truth? Do you understand? What if you stop taking this stuff as just a, a religion and understood what's really happening here and lived as though these verses that I'm about to talk to you about are real? Because they are. We are living in the shadowlands. We are. And, but we won't be here forever. And this is all of you. You can sit here. I love it. I don't believe in God. That's good truth for you. Right? We'll go back to gravity. I just want you to think in case your first day. Cool. How about, what about your, uh, about gravity? Is that your truth too? See, at the end of the day, we go up on a roof and get ready and look over. And, and you can say, I don't believe in gravity. That's your truth. And when we jump, we're both going to find out where reality is. That truth is not dictated by your belief. God doesn't need your belief to exist. God doesn't need your belief to be king. He is the king. It's just a matter not of whether you accept reality or continue to live in the shadow lands. To live in, in chosen ignorance. But you know, I talk to those in the room that don't know Jesus. What I'm about to say today is shame on us that are from the kingdom, that we live like this is just a religion. When it's reality, it's life. Just like if you read in the, the Narnia books, they try to tell people about Narnia. And they come back, and there's a lot, of, I didn't give a quote, but there's these conversations, you know, they get made fun of, okay. And then over time, it's kind of cool in the, in the, in the story, as, as they get older, the original characters, the brothers and sisters, they forget about Narnia. They forget who they really are, and they settle into this reality. I love it because it's so symbolic of many of you in this room. It's been so long since you've been rescued. You don't live and, and read this book as though it's life, as though it's the wardrobe <laughs> to take you and remind you of the kingdom. So what's happened is you've settled into this normalcy where sometimes you sort of hear the echoes of Eden. You sort of hear the echoes of what life, something's different. There's more to this. And then something explodes in the microphone again, and then we all just come back to normal. That's one thing about this church. We will spend money on new speakers for these, these uh, worship people. Where they at? The spoiled worship people. And I've been dealing with the same mic stuff for 30 years, it seems like. <laughs> Can a man get a mic that doesn't blow up? Nope, he can't. It's never going to happen. We can, we can do some crazy things with technology, with lights and smoke. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that, but we cannot get a microphone that won't do that. That's the weirdest thing to me. Um, I'm not bitter. So I want to talk about that today. I want to go further into it. So you guys are from, those of you who have put your faith in Christ are Christian. It's not normal. It's not explainable to some people. You know, there's a verse that says that God's foolishness is far greater than the wisdom of man, right? He chooses the foolish things to kind of make a fool of us, meaning, man, guys, I'm going to lose it. All right, about to turn the other mic on. Should I just do that? Hello, hello. It's gonna, if it works again, I'm grabbing this mic. Okay. This reminds me of the old days of the yeah, now I have to Hello, hello. 
Still reverbing? You guys, is it done? <sighs> oh, man. I'm patient. Anyway, we're going to talk about this today. We're going to talk about the reality if we live as though this is real. And here's the other thing. We have a responsibility being from the kingdom. We have a responsibility that because if you are in this room and you're a Christian, you're of the kingdom and not the domain of darkness, you have a responsibility that you were not given this message of life and empowered with this Holy Spirit that says rose Christ from the dead. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is in you. You were not given that just to chill. You were given that for a purpose. And that purpose is modeled in Christ himself when he was on this earth. We'll start in Luke 4.43. We've, got, we've been told to point the way to the wardrobe. Jesus himself, he's, the crowds are starting to follow him, and, and makes sense. He's healing, and they say, you can't leave us. Stay with us, it said the crowds. And this is what he said, starting in verse 43. But he said to them, I must proclaim the good news about the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because I was sent for this purpose. I know you're not awake. I know the mic thing got crazy. Stay with me. I'll read that again. This is Jesus himself. But he said to them, I must proclaim the good news. That's where we start. Stop. We'll talk about the gospel, the good news. That's where we stop. But listen, I must proclaim the good news about the kingdom of God. See what I mean? We've glossed over that, don't we? I did. To the other towns also, because I was sent for this purpose. In the Gospel of John, chapter 18, Jesus has been dragged by the Jewish leadership, the religious leaders, before Pilate, the Roman leader, because they didn't want to be the ones that, that, to kill Jesus because he had a following. They were afraid. So they sent him to someone else, set him up. I read this a couple weeks ago, but I want you to listen to the words. Listen to what's really being said, not the story. Then Pilate, that's the leader, went back into the headquarters, summoned Jesus, and said to him, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, are you asking this on your own or have others told you about me? Go back to that. Do you ever consider, think about that for a minute. Why would he say that? Are you asking this on your own or have others told you about me? Boy, there's, there's some stuff there. It's interesting. Anyway, go on. See, I'm learning. I'm not a Jew, am I, Pilate replied. Your own nation and the chief priest handed you over to me. What have you done? My kingdom, there it is again. My kingdom is not of this world, said Jesus. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I wouldn't be handed over to the Jews. As it is, my kingdom does not have its origin here. You are a king then, Pilate asked. You say that I am a king, Jesus replied. I was born for this. And I have come into this world for this, to testify to the truth. What is the truth? That he is the king. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Mm. So I, I tell you this because this is important. Jesus himself said, I was sent for what purpose? We always say to die, which is true. But what did he say himself? Remember in Luke 4, 43, he says, I proclaim the good news about the kingdom of God because I was sent for this purpose. He came to tell us about where we came from. That is part of why he came. Do you understand that? And then he enabled us to open the wardrobe. He enabled us to go home. He enabled us to find our way back. He rescued us. 
Okay, Todd, so what, what does that mean? Well, let's keep going. Jesus says, I'm here to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. You with me still? Are you asleep or did I lose you with the whole mic thing? You with me? Say something. You awake? Yeah? Yeah, thank you. Great. So we know that Jesus came to talk about the kingdom. They ask him, are you a king? He says, I'm a king, but my kingdom isn't of this world. Mufasa. Anyway, Ephesians 2. Listen to this. Ephesians 2, I won't jump around. I got you, Luke. I got you. We're going to go into a treatise on a section. All right? Systematic theology is coming. Hold on. So then... Here we go. Ephesians 2, 19 through 22 says, So then you are no longer foreigners and strangers. Listen to this as though it's real. So then you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens. With who? With the saints and members of God's household. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. The whole building being put together by him grows into a holy sanctuary in the Lord. You are also being built together for God's dwelling in the spirit. I love this verse here for a ton of different reasons. One of which is the fact that we are where God dwells. We are the temple. <laughs> when we come together, we are living stones. See, I go on again. Ugh, anyway, they would have understood this. But that's not what I'm going to talk about today. So he has to tell the Ephesians in the middle of this, these people that are living in the midst of this Roman Empire in Ephesus, where this church is surrounded by people who don't believe that. And he says, you are no longer foreigners, strangers, strangers, but fellow citizens. Oh, that's nice. Now let me put it in different words for you. Can I say your name, Josh? Too late, I did. Some people don't like it. Josh, do you understand that you're not, it doesn't matter how you feel, because I know he's put his faith in Jesus. You're not a foreigner or a stranger. You are fellow citizens with you. Ready? Peter. Peter. Paul. Moses. King David. Jeremiah, Elijah, all of these people that we look in the Bible and go amazing things, you are of the same kingdom as they are. That's what he's saying. You're from the same place those people are from. Jesus himself was always the cornerstone, and you are from that place. Philippians, actually I'm going to do it, Philippians 3, 20 and 21 says, but our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. There we go. Your citizenship isn't here. I read all of these verses to set up. We're going to really be studying 2 Corinthians 5, so if you want to get ahead. But I want you to understand this is throughout the Bible, this kingdom of God. You are not of this place. That is not symbolism. That is not an analogy. That is reality. And if you live in that reality, it changes the way we approach this faith. It changes the way that we live our day-to-day -day life. It, those low moments become not so low when we recognize that this is only temporary. And it is. Now, I'm not saying that's always easy to believe. But that's why God tells us to do the things he does. You ready? Stay with me. If the longer we get away from the kingdom, the longer we wait for the king to come back. Are you with me so far? I need something. I'm dizzy, remember? The longer we wait, the more easily it is that we forget where we came from. You ready? So what, what would it do if you changed the fact that God said you need to read my word, that means the Bible, pray and go to church with, and have communion with God's people? Why? So you remember where you're from and you remember what your purpose is. He doesn't make us do that because he needs you to talk to him. He doesn't need you to read his word. He doesn't need you to gather together. Everything that he tells us to do is for your benefit, my benefit, to remind us 
of where we came from. Remind us of the, the job that we have. I believe a big part of the reason that we don't recognize, everybody says, yeah, I believe that, Todd. We're supposed to tell people about the kingdom of God. When's the last time you did? Okay, I love the people that get mad when I say that. Me too. When's the last time that you talked to someone that is not a Christian about the kingdom of God? Two days, three days, seven days, a month? Don't, I ain't going to make you raise your hand. Some of you in this room, and I'd be on the list, haven't told someone about Jesus in six months, in a year. That people are dying, and you have the only key to life. You know where life is, and you haven't told a single soul because you're embarrassed. You can say it's for any other reason you want. You don't want to talk about Narnia. That's little kid stuff. You don't want to talk about the kingdom, but let's talk about invisible gravity. That's okay. And then you, you make yourself feel better, like I do, by saying, oh, thank goodness for God's grace. I don't have to earn it. No, you don't. But you're being selfish. And I'm in that boat with you. We have a job. So we're going to jump into 2 Corinthians 5, the whole chapter. I'm going to jump around it. So I've already told you. Are we in agreement that according to the Bible, one, Jesus said he has come to talk about the kingdom of God. Yes? We are in agreement that he said he is a king, but not his kingdom is not of this world. Correct? It's origin. Good. We are in agreement that his people, you and me, those of you who put your faith in Jesus, then also are citizens of that same kingdom. Yes? That that kingdom then is not of this world. So we are not. Ah. And that what? He Go back. Remember Jesus himself said, I have come to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. Now, I could have put this in here. The Great Commission. You know it. The Great Commission. You know what the Great Commission means to most of us? It means two weeks in Honduras. One week of which we actually do something good, and the other week we go to the beach. That's what the Great Commission has been. What about your neighbor? Hmm? What about Columbia City? What about Whitley County? How do we have 250 churches? I think it is literally somewhere like that in this town, county. And, and I'm not judging that. You know, we, one of the things that when we became a, a church, uh, it's my opportunity to talk about an infamous question 11. I love to do this every couple months. So we do real talk, and someone wrote this question in. I'll never, we do real, if you don't know what real talk is, where you been? It's the hippest show that no one watches. Um, it's an opportunity to ask anonymous questions. And someone wrote in there, you ready? I can remember it word for word. <clears throat> Why do people start new churches in towns that already have a lot of Bible-believing churches and then give themselves a name that implies they, they are the only true church? We're called the remnant. It's, he was passive-aggressive. My point, though, is, and I get it, like, is every person in Whitley County heard the gospel? I want, to, I want you to listen to that. Do you believe that? Raise your hand if you believe every person in Whitley County even, in Columbia City, has heard the full gospel. Raise it high. Okay, raise your hand if you don't think everyone in Columbia City has heard the gospel. Raise your hand if you just don't want to raise your hand. Thanks, dude. Anyway, <laughs> and the punks just showed themselves. Me too, man. I don't like it. <clears throat> I love that you can see that. 
That's a problem, though. See, we can multiply the buildings, but until people understand that we are kingdom people from a different place with a mission, we can have a thousand churches here, and nobody's still going to know. <laughs> so my answer, because that was my answer to the guy, whoever it was. I, I, you know, yeah, I have a question for you. Why we exist? Does every person in Columbia City know Jesus? No. Okay, then don't worry about me. So. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 1. For This is Paul talking to the church in Corinth. What is Corinth? It was in the Roman Empire, surrounded by a culture that is pagan, that believes everything essentially contrary, meaning opposite of what the kingdom's like. Does that sound familiar? It's you because you're in America. All right. For we know that if our temporary earthly dwelling is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal dwelling in the heavens, not made with hands. Pause. By the way, the earthly dwelling here, he's talking about these bodies, your physical body. And he's talking about it, you know, Paul talks about this a lot. That's okay, you can kill me. To live is Christ, to die is gain. What he means is, if you kill me, I get to go back to Narnia. I go home. Yeah, right? If you really lived in that, and I'm talking to myself, would you ever live in fear? No, man. You'd be excited. That sounds terrible kind of, right? Weird. That's, Paul sounds like a lunatic. Paul literally says, I would love to die. He says that. I would love to die because I get to go home. I'm here for you. I'm here to be Christ here. That's my, I am dead. The old, I'm gone. I just live to show Christ to this world. And so he's saying, so if our temporary earthly dwelling is destroyed, that body's destroyed, that's not going to last. Young people are like, man, it's going to last forever. I get it. Me too. I used to think that. And then I hurt my back. And then you're like, nope. We have a building from God and an eternal dwelling in the heavens not made with hands. So he's reminding us, hey, this isn't real. Go on to two. Indeed, we groan in this body desiring to put on our dwelling from heaven. I bet we felt that before. Man, doesn't matter how good life is, it's always not good enough, right? It's like you're missing something. Jump down to verses six, verse six. So we are always confident and know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. Why is Paul saying this? I'm going to keep doing it because you do that thing, that Christianese thing where you read by it because I do it too. So we are always confident and know that while we're at home in the Lord, we're away from the Lord. He's saying, listen, you can be confident of this. This is our body that we're in right now. We're away from the Lord. That's tough. We're in the domain of darkness. Go on. For we walk by faith, not by sight. And we are confident and satisfied to be out of the body and at home with the Lord. Therefore, whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to be pleasing to him. For we must all appear for before the tribunal of Christ so that each may be repaid for what he has done in the body, whether good or worthless. This is an important wordy section, but it's important for you to understand. Sometimes there's this idea that once we're saved, I've heard people say this, life is like, what's the point of life? What's the point, right? You're saved. We're all saved through grace, and that is good. So it's like, well, if we're all equal, why do anything else? Why do you think that just because you're not going to be punished, we're all not going to be punished for our sins because of Christ, that you're not going to be rewarded? Why are those connected? You don't think if you're grinding and working for the kingdom that he's not going to recognize you over the guy or girl that didn't do anything? We know that in Scripture. Your actions matter here. And what Paul's trying to remind us is that, listen, this is not your home, and you're going to feel that way. I know it's hard. Life is hard. You're not with God. We have to walk by faith. We have to remember 
even when we don't see the kingdom, that we are from the kingdom. Even when sometimes it gets difficult to remember and, and see the signs and, and remember Narnia, for lack of a better word, remember the kingdom of God, that, that that is where we're from. We have to remember it. And if we remember that, then we're confident and satisfied to die. I'm serious. Paul's point here is to say, listen, I know life is hard and I know persecution. They were facing severe persecution. Make no mistake, friends, it's happening. It's building here. Do you understand that? I know you've heard this for 40 years, but I'm telling you the truth. Persecution is coming to this country for those who follow Christ. It is coming. It's already here, but you don't notice it because it's not affecting your daily life. I am telling you, and I don't say these things often, it is coming. And it's going to start by saying again the next time they say we can't meet together. And if you meet together, we'll fine you. If we meet together, we'll take away your tax status. See, it builds up. That when that doesn't stop us, then they'll say, we're going to take your building. When that doesn't stop us, they're going to say, we're going to fine you. When that doesn't stop us, we're going to put you in jail. When that doesn't stop us, what do you think comes next? You think that stuff doesn't happen? You think the countries where that happens, it just magically happened? So we, if we can understand this now in the good times, when the tough times come... We can be reminded, right? Confident, satisfied to be out of the body and at home with the Lord. So therefore, whether we are at home with him in the kingdom, d dead, or away right now, we make it our aim to be pleasing to him. I want to live my life here like I'm still there. Like the king is right beside me. And then the reminder, for we must all appear before the tribunal of Christ. Who's we? You think that's the bad people, right? No, that's a different section. He's talking to believers. We will all appear before Christ, and each will be repaid for what he has done in the body, whether good or worthless. When you go back to the kingdom, whether it's when Christ returns, right, or whether we die and go with him before and get to be with him before he comes here to restore it all, either way, people at the end are going to be repaid for what we have done in this life while we're in the shadowlands. There are people like we all, you know, it's the difference between he opens the kingdom doors and you get to walk in. And then he grabs the guy beside you and said, but you, I have a crown for you. And you, I have these robes and I can't wait to show you the room that I have made for you. You look at all this stuff you stored up for yourself. That's real. I love the idea, using C.S. Lewis again, I've told this story before, but I think it's in The Great Divorce. The concept of this is... C.S. Lewis goes to heaven. He sees the kingdom, the beginning of it. That's not the whole kingdom. We'll get to that. But he sees, and he goes up there, and he sees this really beautiful woman walking down, and she says she looks like a queen, and there are animals following her, and she's gorgeous and beautiful and young, and it's spring everywhere she goes, and literally people are following her, kind of throwing flowers, and he goes, who is, that's got to be some queen. And his guide says, oh, you don't know her? I'm making this, the name up. I don't remember. That's Dorothy. Oh, was she a great queen? Back home, and he goes, oh, uh, no, not, I mean, she's always been a queen, but no, your people, she was a, um, she was single her entire life. She lived down uh, by the docks. She didn't have much. She was poor, but she always gave her extra food to her neighbors and sometimes would give them food and not eat. She fed the animals. She fed the poor. She took care of the orphans. She is truly great in the kingdom. You see, in the world, people don't see that. So, 
2 Corinthians 5.11, I'm building up. Trust me, there's a point, Todd. It may be. I'm dizzy. Who knows? Maybe this will end up not making any sense. Therefore, because we know the fear of the Lord, we seek to persuade people. What is the fear of the Lord? Do you think that means shaking in your boots? Give me another word for fear here. Oh. Mufasa. If you haven't seen that movie, it sounds like I'm crazy right now, but it's that feeling of awe. It's like when you stand at the edge of the Grand Canyon and look down, it's not really fear. It's like, whoa, I am tiny. I am insignificant. Because we know of God, we seek to persuade people. We are completely open before God, and I hope we are completely open to your consciences as well. He's saying that to the Corinthians. You and I, along with Paul, remember we're the same citizens, remember Josh's analogy? Because we know God, we have seen him, we have seen the king, we need to, we seek to persuade people. Okay, for what reason? Jump down to 14 and 15. Persuade them of what? For Christ's love compels us since we have reached this conclusion. If one, who's one with a capital O, you think? Jesus, thank you. Everybody's like, yeah. For, for Christ's love compels us since we have reached this conclusion. If one died for all, then all died. And he died for all so that those who live should no longer live for themselves. This is so key. Take one thing from here today. And he died for all so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised. Jump down to verse 16. We'll go through 21. From now on then, we do not know anyone in a purely human way. <laughs> Even if we have known Christ in a purely human way, yet now we no longer know him in this way. This is wordy. I know who Jesus is. He's in this book. He's like Buddha, right? No. You used to know who he is. Now you know him as what? The king. Keep going. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. And look, new things have come. I actually prefer, and behold, new things have come. Go on. <laughs> You're scared to move now. <clears throat> Everything is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, certain that God is appealing through us, not the sun, not the moon, not the stars, not the lions, not the Grand Canyon. He is appealing to the world about his son through you. I don't know if you're like me. I'm like, that is not a good plan, Lord. But that is the plan. We are ambassadors for Christ, certain that God is appealing through us. We plead. What's another word for plead? We beg. Have you ever begged someone? Have you, have you, the idea of getting on your knees and saying, I'm begging you, no, Jesus. I'm begging you, not because I get anything from this, but because I love you enough, please. Here's an answer. If you had a loved one, husband, wife, son, daughter, mom, dad, who had cancer was dying, and you had the shot, you put it down, and they refused to take it. Would you get down and plead with them? Would you say, I please take this? I know you would. We plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, 
so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. There's the gospel. <laughs> that's the gospel. That, did you know that? That that verse, that's the gospel. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. We plead on Christ's behalf, be, be reconciled to God. Jesus died for you. All this long story that may not have made sense, may not have led you here, my point is this. You are from the kingdom of God, living here temporarily, and you have a responsibility. You have a responsibility. I'll say this again. You have a responsibility that came with your rights in the kingdom. You were given a task. It doesn't matter how young you are, whether TikTok's waiting for you or Instagram, whatever. I'm serious. It doesn't matter how young you are or how old you are. Some in the room are like, oh, those young people, they need to really learn their, their message, their job. No, you, you need to pay attention. A lot of times you're the ones that have been gone a long time. You forget where you're from. You thought you just woke up holy. Yeah, you did. Don't you lie. You, you can't remember when you were young and silly yesterday. Right? You have been given a message you ready? Here's the message. Please see the situation you're in, that you're dying, that this isn't reality, and they're gonna, it's going to sound crazy, isn't it? The king is coming. He's coming back. He died for you so that you could be holy and come back to him. And here's the thing. When he was here, you saw him as a carpenter, and you saw him as a lamb to be slaughtered. I'm begging you, because when he comes back, he is not the lamb he is not the man with a crown of thorns. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And the Bible says he comes with a sword. And he will judge people. And at that moment, it doesn't matter how cool you think you are. You are either with him or you're not. And in that moment, all will be revealed. Who are the ones in the kingdom? And who are the ones from the domain of darkness? This isn't about coming to church it's not about growing your church. It's not about uh, being a part of the cool new ministry. This life as a believer is about showing Christ in the shadowlands, in the domain of darkness, in being a light. Remember now, if you think it through the kingdom, this is important. Now do you understand when he said, you are a city on a hill? In the darkness, Right? If everything's dark, imagine this, and the city's on a hill, and you're looking for some place of safety, you're going to see the high place, aren't you? What's there? He makes the analogy, and he says, you are the light of the world. Nobody takes a lamp in a dark room and then covers it. Talked about that last week. Do you understand how you get it? You're in the domain of darkness. The city on the hill, the light makes sense now. I don't know why he chose us. Again, it sounds like a terrible plan. <laughs> But he saved us, and in the process of making us who we are supposed to be, is using us as his ambassadors to those he loves that are still stuck in the darkness, pleading like he is to us, like he did to us through Christ. Please, children, hear me. Stop this rebellion. Stop this sin. Stop ignoring me and listen to me before it's too late. Because the thing about the domain and the darkness, I said this last week, this is not a kingdom that's been overthrown. This world has not been overthrown. The king wasn't overthrown. Do you understand? This rebellion is being allowed. 
Nothing's stopping him from right now coming back and, and smacking some of us around. He waits because he loves us. He waits because he does not want anyone to be condemned, but that everyone might come to life through Jesus, right? John 3, 16, 17. You have a job. I've told this story before. You guys hear me preach today. It might be the only time. You're like, I ain't ever coming back. This guy made no sense, and he was dizzy, and the mic didn't work, and <laughs> he got really mad about it. How dare he? Pastors don't get mad. I was told they do. That's not true. They're humans. Um, I lost myself in that speech, but <clears throat> this is important. When I was growing up, I grew up in a small town. I love my town. I say it. Some of my friends have watched this and been insulted. Sorry, guys, because they've... My one friend said, why am I always the dumb friend in your, in your stories? I never knew he watched this. <laughs> I felt terrible. You're not done, dumb, Roop. He knows who he is. Um, I love my friends, and God blessed me with them. They were believers. I didn't party. In high, once I got to high school, I didn't do all that stuff because I came to know Jesus at 17. But this is true. I didn't grow up in church. I mean, I knew of God, but I didn't grow up in church. I had no reason to go. I'm not kidding when I say it was just as likely to worship Thor as I was Jesus, right? And my mom's right behind you. You can ask her. She's right behind you guys. You can ask her later. They don't want to look because they're like, I can't look right at her. Yeah, go ask her. That's true. There she is. There's the rebel. I don't know who that guy is, but I like him because every time I tell him I'll do something, I'll do it. Anyway, <laughs> that's me, man. I'm you. I'd be the same way. Oh, you tell me I'm afraid? Uh, they didn't tell me about Jesus one time. You know that? I grew up in small town America, and I never knew the gospel. I'm not kidding you. I never heard the gospel until 17 years old. Because a church probably would be considered corny now, put on a corny play called Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames that at least told me the gospel. I grew up my entire life in the Midwest, the United States of America, in a town much like this, but better. <laughs> Just kidding. I love you, Columbia City. <laughs> but nobody told me about Jesus. Nobody used their words to tell me the gospel. And if I had died, I cannot say and tell you guys, I was a good person, but I know the truth. I am moved by that all the time. I asked you earlier, when's the last time you talked to someone about Jesus? That was me. I'm, I, sometimes I feel like I'm the new kid. I'm like the street kid, Mother Disney reference. I'm the street rat. I don't know why I'm doing that. Right? I'm, 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 the, I'm the homeless guy that gets to come in the kingdom and look at you saints. And I'm kind of over here warming myself by the fire, eating a piece of cracker because I don't really feel I'm good enough for the, the good food that you guys are eating. And I'm sitting here telling you, like, you don't know what it's like out there. You don't know. I think that's why... You know, I've said this before, if this is your first time, I'm really hard on the church. You're, Todd, you hate the church. No, I don't. I just am looking at us going, boy, you don't know how good you have it. I remember. You have a job. We are to tell people about the kingdom, about Jesus. We are to give them and point them to the only thing in this world where they will find peace and where they will find healing and, most importantly, where they will find life. And you know it. Everyone in this room, I don't care if you don't believe in Jesus. If you're paying attention enough today, you know that there's nothing that fulfills you. That's why you're mad. That's why you're mad all the time. Because you, it doesn't matter what you do, right? 
You get success, it doesn't help. You get that warm, that hot girl, that guy, that warm body in your bed, it doesn't help. You take that drug, it doesn't help. You take that alcohol, it doesn't help. It's always temporary. That's my first proof, man. I felt the same way. So what are the keys? You know, like this. Wardrobe, remember? Wardrobe. I, maybe I didn't tell you this part. I told you I'm not, I'm not on my A game today. The wardrobe was how they got to Narnia. Make sense now? Jacob, you know. You've read all the books. To Narnia. The wardrobe. So here are the keys to pointing people to the wardrobe, to life. Number one, let me take it from this section. Be humble. Jesus is the only reason we are saved. I'm going to put it a different way. Do not forget where you came from. That just because you've been in the castle for a long time, eating that good food and drinking that good drink, don't forget that you were in the domain of darkness too. And that is exactly what you would still deserve to be and where you would still deserve to be but God, but Jesus. See, sometimes that's what happens. You want to know why we don't point people? Because we're like, they are scrubs and we are not. I'll tell you what, that, that analogy I gave you about the, the great divorce, I love it because that's how middle, <laughs> Midwest church is. Don't you tell me, if you grew up in church, are you ready? Are you ready for all of us to get... I'm just going to be honest. Convicted here? You know as well as I do there's a dress code. You know as well as I do that there's certain jobs that people that are, <laughs> you're coming to church. What if the prostitute walked in, the stripper, the drug addict, and you knew it? You smile to their faces and then you whisper about them when they, they walk out. What if they smell? What if they're an alcoholic? What if they've got a past they don't fit your mold because you don't remember how filthy and disgusting you are without Christ. Number two, remember where you came from. Take your role seriously. This is a Narnia quote. Once a king or queen of Narnia, always a king or queen of Narnia. You are of the kingdom. You are co-heirs with Christ. Co-heirs. You are a son or a daughter of the most high king. You are a prince and a princess king and a queen who serves the king of kings. You have a job as an ambassador to this world, and it matters. And don't say you don't know what work is. Some of you that are high, big wigs at your job, you know exactly what it is. When you go into those doors, you put that, that role on, don't you? <laughs> VPs don't dress this way. Like, vice president of the company doesn't walk in wearing just a tie, right? I said what I said, just a tie. My point is... Right? Listen to me. My point is, is that you take your job seriously enough that you prepare for it. You act like it. That's why there's books on how to be an effective leader. And you'll read all those books. Don't you tell me you don't. Some of you read every one of those books. Oprah's book on success. I don't know. You read it all. Do you take your role as an ambassador of Christ the same way? That's seriously. That it's important. You have to. I don't know why he gave us that job, but he did. How many Todds are in your life? You're like, I hope none. But what I'm saying is, how many did, have you never told your best friends with, but you know deep down I've never actually told them the truth? Because they might not want to be my friend anymore. That's fair. Go ahead and let them die. Don't. That's sarcasm. Number three, as it says here, let love compel you. 
I love that, right? Let love compel you. For Christ's love compels us since we have reached this conclusion. If one died for all, then all died. And he died for all of us so that we, sh- we who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and was raised for them. Let love compel you to understand the, the situation that these people are in. Guys, on the surface, my life was pretty good back then. I'm serious. I was a good kid. In fact, my buddy back here invited me. He'll tell you to this day, Jack in the back, he didn't invite me for me. He invited me so our really jerky friend would go. He thought I already knew Jesus. But it was I who raised my hand that day. My friend didn't. Our jerky friend's still a jerk, right? <laughs> me too. I'm a jerky friend. But I'm serious. He didn't tell me. Or he, people didn't tell me because they were like, oh, Todd's got it together. He's on the honor roll. He's successful in sports. He's got a lot of friends. Everything's going great for him. Was dead. <laughs> Just a well dressed zombie. Let love compel you to make a fool of yourself. Let love compel you to possibly lose relationships because, again, if your friend was going to die of cancer and you had the cure, would you, would you care? Like, oh, don't worry about it. No, you wouldn't. You would tell them. Number four, this is important. You've got to remember that this is literally a matter of life and death. Here's the truth. There is only two places. There's only two places that people live. It is the kingdom of God. And you're like, well, Todd, I don't understand. You should have kept coming. Come next week. I'll explain more. Pause. Smile. No? Okay. It's either the kingdom or the domain of darkness. That's it. That is the only options. There is no gray area. Ooh, last week, gray light. Go listen to it. There's no gray area. It doesn't matter what people tell you. It does not matter. You are one or the other. And here's the crazy thing. The only person who determines that is Christ. His definition. That's hard to accept. There are good people in the, in the scheme of humanity. There are people better than me that if they die today are going to hell. They're separated from God. Because here's the thing. It's not about that. Because in comparison to a perfect and holy God, ain't nobody good enough. But that's the standard. This is a matter of life or death. I use the cancer analogy because I'm telling you. <laughs> How mad, mm, I don't know if I should go there. I'm going to get suppressed again. I might as well. How mad, you know, are people in this world because they're not getting a vaccine, some people? They're getting real mad because it's for people's safety. It's life or death. Right? Do you have that much fire? I've heard people say that, you know, manipulate. Christ would get the vaccine. And it's not about a vaccine to me, by the way. I don't care if you get one. My point is, you'll say that and, and make sure everyone knows about that, but not tell them about Jesus. You silly person. <laughs> it's a matter of life or death. I think Sydney's going to play some music today. She's going to come up and start playing some music. I'm going to leave you with this. Real simple. I do encourage you to go listen to the other ones or go read for yourself where the Bible says the kingdom of God. If, you, if this is the only day you're coming, you weren't here a couple weeks ago, you're not going to be here next week, go do it for yourself. But listen to this. There's only two choices. You are from the kingdom. By the way, you can't make it there yourself. Remember, you have been rescued from the domain of darkness and transferred to the kingdom. You can't make it there yourself. So go ahead and keep reading Oprah's 30 Secrets to Life and The Secret and all these things. They ain't going to help you. You're going to just wander around aimlessly. You can't find him, but he can always find you. 
It's either that or it's the domain of darkness. I'm going to say it again. Some of you are like, that's just fun. I want to wait to get out of church. You are dead. You are going, you are dead. I don't care if I offend you because if you're living and offended, that's better than not offending and dead. You're dead without Christ. I know that's scary to hear. I know that doesn't fit what a lot of churches want to say now. There's always those extremes, right? They don't talk about it at all. That's all they talk about. That is your situation. So let me ask you in the room if you're from the, from the kingdom. Do you live like you're from a different kingdom? That you're literally from a different place that has, and you're, you have a message of life or death? Do you live in that reality? Or is this just Sunday? It's just Sunday. No wonder your faith is dead. If this is all it is, if I got to wear button-up shirts and, and, I don't know, wear somewhat fancy shoes and talk up on a stage with a mic that doesn't work, that's what this is? And I get to tell you stuff, and some of you like what I say, and some of you don't, and like every week I just live to see whether you like it or don't. If that's what this is, I don't want it. Because that's not what's described. It's life or death. It's faith and joy. You know, if you weren't here last week, it says the kingdom, that's what it is. It's righteousness and joy and peace. But with that, those beautiful gifts comes a responsibility. With the inheritance comes a role. With the crown comes a weight. Do you live in that reality? Or do you say, ah, there's 250 churches in here. We gotta wake up. We gotta quit sitting just saying, hey, whatever happens tomorrow. See you, Bob. You know Bob's going to hell if he dies today. That's cold, hard facts. Do you live like you're an ambassador from the kingdom? Here to point people to the, to the only person that can bring them back to life, that can heal them, that can rescue them. If you're in this room today and you don't, if, if not, by the way, if you haven't lived in that, if your life, your faith is dead, if you haven't told anyone, if you're one of those people in this room and you're honest, you haven't told someone and talked to someone about Jesus that isn't in the church walls one time in six months a year, it's time to wake up. It's time to dust off that armor, polish up that sword that you've been carrying around and if you, got, you forgot you had, and it's time to go to work. You know, the Great Commission, I'll leave you with this too, is go and make disciples. And so that, that lends itself to the idea that I'm gonna go to Honduras for two weeks, right? It's a, no, the better translation is as you go. Jesus was really saying to them as he says to you, hey, Todd, as you go to the grocery store and the gas station and play flag football later and do work, and as you play basketball, and as you go to family reunions, and as you change your tire, and as you interact with the person uh, at the convenience store, as you do that, make disciples of all nations, proclaiming the good news of the gospel. Everywhere you go, you bring light. Don't hide it. Make people go, why do you shine in this dark world? Where does that come from? How can you smile? Choose to live in that reality. Aslan's going to come back. Jesus is coming back. He's not the lamb. He'll be the lion and the king. And that's great news for us. Great news. A lot of people.
people don't know. If you don't know what the gospel is, I'm going to give it to you, and I'm going to make a new record, 30 seconds. Try to give. God made everything really good. Everybody says, well, God wants us to do all these rules. No one can do them. That's the point. He made everything perfect. There was only one rule at the beginning. I don't care what any theologian tells you. There's one rule. I'm God, and you're not. I'll tell you what good and evil is. You just do what I tell you to do. And we rebelled, and we said, no. I want to be the one to determine what good and evil is. And what has happened is what's happened to this world. We are lost and confused, and we don't know up or down. And because we rejected our birthright, we rejected the king, sin entered this world. Sin is that darkness inside of you and me. The brokenness, the hurt, the pain, the place that you can't fix. Guys, it doesn't matter if you stop drinking, stop smoking, stop having sex, stop looking at porn. It doesn't matter if you give away your money. Those outward things can't fix that inside problem. You might be taking a cough drop for the cough, but you're still sick. Thousands of years of human existence from the moment that we lived with God, it's reality. Till this moment now has shown us what happens when the creation walks away from the creator. Disaster. And so when we couldn't find our way home, remember, they forgot. They forgot Narnia. We forgot where we're from. And so we start building, making our own little kingdoms and our own little make-believe things to try to give us some semblance of life. Because we didn't know the way home. And even if we did, we couldn't enter because we can't change what's inside of us. We can't be clean. So God came to us in the domain of darkness. When we couldn't come to him because it was so dark and there was no light, he came and was the light. The light came to us when we couldn't find the light. And God himself, the king, broke down through this darkness in the domain of darkness and told us about the kingdom. Remember, he said his job is to talk about and proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. And that's awesome. Imagine that. Hey, over there, over that way, People looked good. Over that way, off in the distance, there's a place, and it's good, and it's perfect, and I'm going to give you everything you need, and it's going to be great, and there's not going to be pain or death anymore. It's awesome. You just got to be completely righteous and holy, because he said that, didn't he? Unless your righteousness is better than them, the holiest people you know, the priests, the pastors, you can't get in. So on the one hand, you're excited. He's like, oh, man, cool. And then you recognize who you are. And then he said, you know, he smiles at us and says, that's okay because I will make you what you can't be on your own. And so he died to take the judgment reserved for you and me. He died to take that darkness, that sin, that lack of care for the kingdom, the fact that you can't slow down your life long enough to care about the kingdom. He took all of that stuff, your rebellion and your arrogance and our evil. And he died on the cross. You see, because the reality is that sin wasn't just a disease. We had disobeyed the king. We had committed a crime, and the punishment was death. The wages of sin is death, the Bible tells us. We are storing up wrath for ourselves. Remember I told you the king's coming back? Those who have not had their debt paid will have to pay up. And so Christ died. Jesus of Nazareth existed. He died on the cross. Listen to me. This might be the only chance you ever get. He died on the cross. This is a fact. You decide what happened after, but this is not debatable. He died on the cross. He breathed his last, and he said these interesting words. He said, it's finished. What's finished? The reign of death, the separation from God. They put him in a tomb. Three days later, he rose from the dead. This is a fact. 
you don't get to hear in school, but there are historians, Roman and Jewish historians, who wrote about the things that happened that day. I'm telling you, I got them. Remember that, James? I sent it to him. Accounts of people, of earthquakes and things, roll, stones rolling away and storms that lasted for hours because the God-man died and he rose from the dead. And in that moment, Jesus defeated darkness. And he has the keys to life. He can now give us the keys home. He can tell us how to go home. Because you see, here's the thing. On the cross, he did one other thing. This is important. This is an important part. He took the punishment. Remember I told you there's two parts. He took the punishment on the cross. But if he did that, we could mess it up again. Couldn't we? If I washed you clean and then you rolled around the mud, you're going to be dirty again. But he did something else. So he, this is incredible. The divine transaction. He took our dirtiness, our sin, our brokenness, and he gave us the benefits of his life. The perfect life. So that when it says that when the father looks at us, he does not see our sin, but he sees his son. Man, let that sink in. So how do I get there, Todd? How do I go to the kingdom? How do I become clean? The Bible says this. I, don't, I make a lot of people mad with this because I don't make it about you. It's not. The Bible says if you confess with your lips and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and was raised from the dead, you will be saved. You had to look at the king and say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what I've done. Take me home. Forgive me. Put me back in the kingdom. And in that moment, you're saved. I know it sounds crazy, it is. But crazy doesn't mean it's not real. I'm telling you. <laughs> getting emotional today, long weekend. This is real. You want a miracle? You want to see it? I'm it. And not because I'm awesome, because I'm here. He rescued me. He cleaned me up. And no matter how many times, because I have, I've run and jumped in the mud. <laughs> he still picks me back up, cleans me back off, takes me home. Man, that's real. Do you want to go home? Do you want to have life? Do you want to keep running around trying to find a way? You know why it says you got to confess with your lips? That's the death of your pride. You got to say it. So, anyway, this last, I know I went late again. <laughs> Dang it. One more time, Gina. Next week, I'm not going to say it. She says I can't talk about time. <sighs> I'm gonna, you're going to have about five minutes, maybe 10, probably five. There's going to be people up here in the dark. It's going to seem weird. They're here to pray with you. They're here to pray with you. Because maybe you're like me and you want to go home, but you don't know how to do it. You want this thing. See, that's where I was. All they told me, I was in a, in a room. I didn't know anybody except my buddy. And they, in the dark, they said, raise your hand if you want to know Jesus, if you want this. And I raised my hand because I thought that was it. I was like, oh, cool, me, I'll take it. And then they said, okay, now you got to stand up and come in the back. And I was like, well, and this is where the cult kills me with the Kool-Aid, right? And I, and I remember people started standing up. This is not a story. I don't tell this part a lot, but I promise you it's true. I wasn't going to go. 
I have pride, right? And it somehow bothered me. And people started walking up and going in the dark in a line and back to this back room. And this guy, I don't know who it was, but he is a saint and he doesn't even know it. Never met him. I promise you, I couldn't, but a voice, man. Like to think about this action. How many in this room would do this to the stranger in front of you? He saw me raise my hand. Man, I love this guy. I don't even know him. And he said, you don't have to be afraid. That's all he said. And I stood up because of what he said and went in the back. And they prayed with me and they gave me a New Testament. That's it. Now, here's the crazy thing. I wasn't churched, so I read that thing (laughs) over and over and over again. And I heard about a kingdom and a life that is way different than I'd ever heard. So I'm going to tell you the same thing I said. Listen to me. I don't care if I offend you today. Do not walk out of this room without knowing you're of the kingdom. Don't. It's all real. There is life and peace and joy. It's not easier. That's a lie to you. I ain't going to tell you you're going to get wealthier, healthier, and you're, or you're going to have a brighter smile. You're not. It's not easier, but this is what I promise you. It's better. So whatever you do today, whether you're a person that doesn't know him, whether you're a person that doesn't, hasn't lived like it, make this time count. Respond to God. Hey, I'm going to say it again. Those of you that have come week after week and you know who you are because you're hearing him, but you're not responding. You could hear all the teachings you want, but until the moment that you lay your pride down and confess with your lips and believe in your heart, until that moment, you're just standing outside the gates listening to the king. You're not in. If you don't know, who cares what these people think? You think I wake up thinking about the people that watched me walk in a dark room in a line? I never think about that. I think about the guy that told me I don't have to be afraid. So I say to you today, you don't have to be afraid. Whatever you do, do not leave this room the same you came in because if you do, you're choosing to.